Maybe you felt chills or goosebumps. Perhaps it's an overwhelmed feeling of something bigger than you or more complex. Whatever the feeling, God put the response in your soul as a reminder of His presence, power, and glory. It's called awe, and He wants to remind us of it every day in many ways. Join us as we discover how God has used His awe to inspire others to follow Him deeper in their lives. So welcome to In Awe by Bruce, and today's special guest, we have Rod Laughlin, and I'm going to let him tell you more about himself. But here's my question, if you've run into this like I have. I became a Christian in 1971. The person that led me to Christ told me to go home and read my Bible and pray and and attend church. But when I went home, the Bible I had was a King James. And I had unbelievable difficulty in following what was being talked about. I just couldn't keep track of the antecedents and everything. And so it became very frustrating and I dropped it. And I got to see through time where he had uh, other literal translations like the NASB, but also the dynamic tension versions like the NIV, where it's giving you more idea on the thoughts rather than the exact words and what those exact interpretations are. Made a huge difference for me. And then, of course, there's the living translation and all, all those and the message. So what Rod's done, to me, I get excited about things like this because when you can make the very words of God more accessible to more people and more understandable, to me, that's dramatic. And that's a huge effect and means a ton in the Christian world. So I'm not going to say any more, but we're going to talk to Rod today about what he's come up with called the Readable Bible. And I think you'll be astounded and it's it's available, Christian books, it's available on Amazon, and he can tell you where else. But uh, Ron, I'm going to let you take it over from there and tell us how this all came about. Maybe it's probably the first thing. Well, I came became a Christian reading the Bible. I was 28 years old in 1971, flying on planes every day, reading novels, westerns, Louis L'Amour, whatever, and... <laughs> flying all over the world. I was coming back on a trip. I was standing in the airport in Minneapolis in a bookstore, and I was looking for a book to read on the next flight. And God said to me, why are you looking for a book to read? You've got a Bible in your briefcase. That was an embarrassing experience. I thought (laughs) about it. I said, well, Lord, your book's hard to read. Why is my book hard to read? Well, I had no answer. So I walked over to the non-fiction area of the bookstore and started going through the books. And I realized that non-fiction books, books of facts, have many different layouts to present the different kinds of information. But our Bible, which has about 23 kinds of information, has genealogies, it has historical narrative, it has poetry, it has law books. There's there's a whole book of Leviticus is a law book. It has a law book within Exodus called the Book of the Covenant. It has engineering specifications to make an ark. It has specifications for all the furniture in the tabernacle. It has all this kinds of information, census tables, but all of them are in sentence format, just plain narrative. You flip through your Bible, you would think it was all the same kind of information, but there's 23 kinds of information that we normally would present in 17 different formats. So the Lord laid it on my heart to create a Bible that uses all today's modern formats. An interesting thought in history, 
The original manuscripts had no spaces between the words. Mm -hmm. There was no punctuation. There were no verse numbers. There were no paragraphs. All those are changes in formats that we've made over time to make the scripture as easy to read as the other books of that day. In 1860, the Cambridge University Press brought out the first fully paragraphed Bible. And since then, there has been no significant change in the formatting of Bibles. Hmm. So what we've done to make it easier to understand, we've moved further from the text. The Good News Bible and the NIV use dynamic translation. Kenneth Taylor in the Living Bible went to paraphrasing. Eugene Peterson with the message uses idiomatic English, moving further and further from the biblical text so that people can understand it more easily. With the readable Bible, we've gone back to a more literal translation, but it's as easy to read as the Living Bible because we use modern formats. Mm, that is amazing. And maybe describe for us some of those formats, how instead of maybe going through all the verses you take for building the ark, a layout like a plan would have for somebody, a carpenter or an engineer or somebody who would be building it. Yes, instead of a sentence saying, make me an ark out of acacia wood with 300 cubits long and so many cubits wide, so many cubits high and using pitch, instead of a sentence, we have, have the make me an ark, and then it says material, acacia wood, length, 750 feet. We put all the measurements of the Bible in modern, in modern measurements. We use the terms that we use every day mm. in our speech. And let's go back all the way to Genesis chapter 1. Mm. When we read Genesis chapter 1, we're looking for the seven days of creation and what did God do? All the English Bibles format that the way that the Chicago Manual of Style tells us to format things, English literature, uh, like our English teachers taught us. But we're not interested in having three paragraphs or four paragraphs. We're actually looking for what happened on day one, day two, day three. Mm. So in the readable Bible, right in the very first page, when you start reading, you see day one, there's what God did on day one, day two, then there's what God did on day two. Every page is formatted and has uses bold text in some of the some cases. Whatever's needed to make it so when your eye hits the page, you immediately realize what you're going to read before you read it. When your eye hits page one of the readable Bible, you see immediately, oh, seven days, I'm going to read about creation. So instead of reading text and trying to figure out what you've read, your mind knows before you get there. When letters go back and forth in Ezra and Nehemiah, you turn the page and you see a letter to Artaxerxes from somebody. Then on the other next page, you see, oh, there's another letter and it's from Artaxerxes to that person. So before you start reading the text, your mind understands what you're going to read and it becomes much more understandable. In Romans, we have some sentences go line after line. So what we do in the readable Bible is we use the main thought left justified and the sub-thoughts are moved in three-eighths of an inch and a sub-sub-thought another three-eighths of an inch. So when your mind hits the page, you turn the page, your mind sees, oh, 
there are three primary thoughts on this page and there are sub thoughts. So before you've even started reading the text, you have the organization of it in your mind and the text is easy to understand. So to me, this is brilliant because it helps you grasp what the meanings and what the writer was trying to get across rather than just going, let's see, I think that was in Romans 1.18 that he said this. It's more important for us to understand what it was he was trying to get across. Right. One of the things, so I'm going to ask you for a couple more examples because I think these are so helpful for everybody to understand how readable this is. One thing that throws a lot of people, well, there are a couple things, but one of them is genealogies and another one is battles. So maybe you can yes. tell us about those. Ge- geography. We, unless you've gone to Israel, you simply don't know the geography of Israel. Mm-hmm. And you, you have all these lists of the towns. Uh, what does Joshua do? He conquers Jericho. Then he goes and he conquers Ai. And the text tells you when they circled the town, if they uh, made a faint maneuver where they pretended to attack it, and then they started fleeing and they drew the people out. And then people, Joshua's army circled behind and caught them from behind. In the readable Bible, you see a map. Every time there's a movement, a battle, you see a map of that battle that shows all the battle movements. And every line on the map is keyed to the text. The line will say, 12 colon 1, 12 colon 5. You know, that's chapter 12, verse 1 is where that movement is. Or if you're in chapter 12 and you're on verse 1, you look at the map and you see, oh, that's where they moved right there on the map. So you're always up on who went where. And when you have in a list of sanctuary cities in the book of Numbers, mm-hmm. you have a list of all the cities of the Levites, some of the tribe of Gershon and the two other tribes. Well, each city is a circle, and it has a letter G for Gershon's tribe, K for Kohath's tribe, right in the center of the circle. So you see the city, it's a Levite city, that's Gershon's city. And if it's a sanctuary city, you have another symbol. So when you're reading the text, you look right across a page, and there's the map showing all the cities. So now it's making sense to you. Let me talk about something else we do that's, uh, I think, important for understanding. Okay. And let's talk a little bit about translation and the difficulty of it. When we were in school, many of us learned a little poem. It's really, tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest, in the night. Now, that's tight verse, few words. But if I put those words in the Hebrew text in Psalms, and I had the word for tiger, then the word for tiger, and then the word for burning and brightly, and then I put the preposition in forest, and then in night, instead of having tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest, in the night, using typical Hebrew to English translation techniques, that tiger Psalm would read, there's a tiger, there is a tiger, it is burning brightly, it is nighttime. Well, that lost all the punch. So typically in a line in Psalms, in the Hebrew text, you have many fewer words than in the English text. Mm-hmm. So you lose the feeling of the Psalm. It's impossible for those of us who speak English, but did not grow up speaking Hebrew, to really grasp the Hebrew poetry. So what we've done in the Psalms is we've put them into parallel structure and minimize the words. So if if we take Psalm 20, may the Lord answer you in time of trouble. May the name of the Lord of Jacob 
Now he's going to say five things, protect you, send you help from his sanctuary. This is may the Lord, the God of Jacob, protect mm -hmm. you, send you help from his sanctuary, give you support from Zion, remember all your offerings and accept your burnt offerings, grant good things to you according to the desires of your heart and fulfill all your plans. Now, normally that's spread out in about three lines with a whole slew of commas. But in the readable Bible, you read, may the name of the God of Jacob, and then there's five lines. I'm going to read the first two words of each line and listen to how you get the thought without even reading the whole line. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you, send you help, give you support, remember all, grant good things. Mm. So by giving a parallel structure and indenting and using cascading text, your mind grasps it much more clearly and it's much easier to remember. And just as importantly, when you read two or three pages later, you're thinking, where was that list of things that, that he prayed that God would do in times of trouble? You can find it much more quickly because it's not buried in paragraphs of text. That is fabulous. What, so that leads me to, you know, what kind of response have you had from people that have looked at this that biblical scholars or just general public what responses have you had and where do you see this as being the most beneficial? It's really been incredible. The readable Bible is available in two forms. You can buy a full Bible that has the whole Bible in it. It's also available in a 27 book set. So you can have in your hand the book of Genesis, the book of Exodus, the book of Leviticus, the book of Numbers, and just be reading that in a chair. It's closer to the experience that a Hebrew scholar had when he just had a scroll of Genesis or of Exodus or Leviticus. And people have just loved having the readable Bible in a single volume for different books. Now, of course, the short letters, they're in uh, several letters in a volume, Galatians through Philemon's one volume, Hebrews through Jude is another. Mm -hmm. So the physical feel of it is unique when you buy that set, and people love that. The reaction to the cascading text and the forms has just been amazing. We had an absolutely amazing experience on Sunday. I happen to be sitting right now in Marco Island, Florida, and uh, Marco Island Presbyterian Church Sunday used the readable Bible for a passage in Matthew because they just thought it was clearer for the congregation. One of the things that I think creates that is the literalness of the text and yet the cascading text mm -hmm. giving it that easy to understand feeling. Hmm. And as far as scholars go, you hear anything back from any particular scholars or anything? Well, first of all, uh, Dr. Brendan Kennedy, who's a PhD in Old Testament, he's a Hebrew scholar and a Greek expert, he heard what I was doing, and he contacted me and wanted to be involved in the project. Yeah. So uh, while I did the first cut on the Pentateuch and Psalms, and I did the first cut on the whole New Testament translation, he went ahead and reviewed all that, and then he did the first cut on the rest. And uh, another scholar actually did that in Ecclesiastes with us. And then Dr. Colby Kinzer, who's primarily a Greek person, not Hebrew, he got involved in the project. And we had a Bot Radio Network. They did thousands of uh, public service announcements and invited their audience to participate in the project. And we had 450 people volunteer wow. to participate. 
And what we did was when we'd finish a book, let's say when we finished Genesis, we would send an email to those people and say, if you'd like to review it, give us some ideas on how to make it clearer or critique the text. So uh, typically 50 people would respond mm-hmm. and we got a lot of input that way on the project. We have a professor down at Baylor that, that gave us a wonderful um, endorsement. We have a bunch of endorsements from scholars. Matter of fact, uh, Robert Hicks, who is a leading Bible person in the UK, just wrote an endorsement calling the readable Bible an indispensable tool. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what I say. I mean, it's, I, I can't imagine that there's anybody out there that this isn't for. Yeah, you know what? If you're a King James reader mm-hmm. or you're an NIV reader and you want to stay with your Bible, my counsel is stay with it. Put a readable Bible next to it and you'll mm-hmm. understand your King James Bible much more easily, and you'll have all the aids use the readable Bible as a study Bible uh, next to it. If you want to read through the Bible this year in a new translation, I'd encourage you to buy the readable Bible. You don't have to just use it as your only Bible. Right, right. When you were going over this, did you find something or anything that, as you were doing this, just helped you a ton? (laughs) You know, it's really interesting. This is embarrassing to admit. I'm 80 years old, or I'll be 80 in three weeks. When I was um, 28, I became a Christian, started reading the Bible. And um, funny story, we went to a Bible-believing church. We went three weeks, and the third week we got there, there was a couple. We were 28. This couple was 80 at the time, and they saw that we did not have a Bible. We didn't know you were supposed to take a Bible to church. And uh, (laughs) They leaned over and handed us a King James Bible. And I took that King James Bible home, and it was so frustrating. Uh And uh, when I went to seminary to become a Southern Baptist pastor, I asked the professor, what Bible should I get? And he said, get a New American Standard. It's good and literal, which I did, and and I've had it for years and just love it. But I just never, ever enjoyed Psalms. I couldn't understand why people enjoy Psalms. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was embarrassing to me. And when I translated the Psalms and I formatted them into parallel cascading text, I absolutely fell in love with them. They just read so beautifully now. His glory is great because of your victories. Splendor and majesty have bestowed upon him for you have granted him eternal blessings. You have made him glad with the joy of your presence. That's just something I opened past Psalm 21, verses 5 and 6. Anywhere I open the Psalms and read, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my God of loving kindness, my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield, he in whom I take refuge, he who subdues people under me. I just, I love reading the Psalms now because of the flow of this text. Yes, it flows, and it sounds much more, because we read the Psalms sometimes. We, I know I love poetry, and when I look at it, I go, this, I'm sure it sounded so much better when David did it, you know? <laughs> yeah, we can't get the feel for the he, real Hebrew poetry form because we aren't used to it. And right. in English, it doesn't compute. It doesn't compute, that's right. You've got some other things coming up in the future. What, do, what else do you have coming out? When I translated the four Gospels, I ended up asking myself, can I harmonize all this? And I thought, if my name's going to be on a Bible, I better know about this and be able to answer that question. So I took 
Every word of the four gospels, every noun, adjective, verb, adverb, preposition. And I took Luke's order of events uh -huh. and I plugged in all the other events from the uh, other gospels. And I created a what I called the anointed one, the complete biography of Jesus Christ. It's going to be published this spring. Wow. It has every single event and every word from the four gospels as one story of Jesus Christ. So we have a map, his first year of ministry showing where he went every year in the first year, mm -hmm. a map for the second year, the third year, same thing. We have maps for all the movement. And it's wonderful to just have one book to sit down and read and read the whole life of Jesus Christ. It's really designed for people who have read the Bible for years like me and want to get a better feel of the chronology of Jesus's life. Mm -hmm. But even more so, it's designed for people who would never read scripture, but a Christian could say, you know, I know you're not going to read the Bible, but here's, here's a biography of Jesus that you ought to know this man's life. The whole world's dating system is based on this man's life. Mm. And our whole culture is based on what he taught us. And you'll find it interesting just reading this like Sandberg's Lincoln. It's a biography of Jesus. Wow, that sounds great. And then I took Andrew Murray's Absolute Surrender, because mm -hmm. that's been a focus of my life, to surrender my life to Christ. And with the man who has Asperger's, I updated all the language with Kent Carmeyer, and we identified every scripture that Andrew Murray quoted in the book, and we footnoted that so people could find those scriptures. And we formatted it in a modern format. That book's going to come out this fall. And then there's a book about a man named Babo Bachor in Ethiopia, who was like a king in the Old Testament when you read about King Bashan or mm -hmm. all these kings. Those were really tribal leaders in little geographic areas, and they'd have 10, 20, 30, 40 villages under him. Babo had 40 villages under him in southern Ethiopia in the 1920s. He was referred to as a king. He had a chair in the front of his house that was called his throne. Mm -hmm. And his wife every morning would take an offering to sacrifice to a god, an idol they had under a big tree in their yard. And one day, a man from Sudan Interior Mission led him to Christ, and he went out and led all 40 of his villages to Christ. Wow. And then he has suffered terrible persecution under the Italians when they came in. And it's a great story. It was written by one of his daughters, who's a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And we'll be publishing that in about three months. So wow. It's called Tested by Fire. We'll look for that, too. Anything else coming up for uh, you? Is that all with uh, the same publisher? Um, we're going to take all the maps in the readable Bible uh -huh. and we're going to create the readable Bible atlas so that a person can see any movement, no matter what Bible they're holding, wow. they'll be able to see whatever movement there is. There's a study Bible planned to be released in uh, 2024, it's a mission study Bible. The next project right now is to uh, come out with a leather cover edition and we'll retypeset it into smaller type for mm -hmm. people that want a Bible with fewer pages. The readable Bible as it is has a standard type like a regular book, so it's so much easier on the eyes. Mm -hmm. That's the one I'm getting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the one that's coming for me tomorrow. <laughs> you know, um, let me talk yeah. a minute about type of translation because I'm, I'm sure your readers 
are interested in the kind of translation it is. Yeah. We have literal translations where we try and put an English word for every Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek word in the original manuscripts. And then we have the concept of dynamic translation, oftentimes called forethought translation, where we express the Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek in a term that's not word for word that brings across the meaning. And people have a hard time understanding that. Mm. So uh, let me just give two examples. In Jeremiah 42.15, the Hebrew text says, God is speaking to the people, and he says, if you have made or set your face, if you set your face, now that doesn't work in English. When is the last time you said to somebody, have you set your face? <laughs> we don't ever use that expression. And that means to make up your mind, to determine something. Mm -hmm. So rather than say, have God speaking to the people and saying, if you've set your faces, the text in the readable Bible reads, if you are determined to do that. Okay. So that's a thought for thought translation. Mm -hmm. Whenever we have a thought for thought translation, though, there's a footnote, the bottom of the page says, literally, set your faces. I'll give another example that's really important. Yeah. If you're an NIV reader, or you're a New Living reader, this is important to understand. In Psalm 145.21, let's take that example. Okay. Scripture says, let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. That's the literal translation. Mm -hmm. Now, the readable Bible says, let all living things bless his name forever and ever. Because when is the last time you talked to somebody about Oh, all the flesh in my yard. You say all the animals, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so we use the, the modern thought, let all living things bless his holy name forever and ever. Now, let's talk about that a minute. All living things. Uh, Bruce, what, what's that make you think of, all living things? Animals, people, birds, amoebas, right. anything. Right. And, and Jesus even said, if these people don't praise me, who will? What will? The stones. The stones, right? Yeah. So I don't think let all flesh includes stones, but I think it does include all the living things you mentioned, the birds, the animals, whatever. But I think the reader should know that the text says literally, let all flesh. And it's up to the reader to decide does that mean all living things? Mm. Or, as some would say is true, does that mean all people? All yeah. people yeah. bless his holy name forever and ever. So I think it's important to always know the literal text, what it says when you're reading your Bible. Mm. And with a readable Bible, you'll always have the literal text in front of you. Very good, yes. Wow. Thanks for kind of dissecting that for us, because that's helpful with understanding why translations are important and what they do in terms of our thinking. Yeah, and the other is true also, that no matter what translation you're reading, it's good to have another translation or two available, or even better to have an app like the U version or, or have Bible Hub, so you can look and see what other translations say, because all of us, and I'm, I don't want it to happen, I hope it never happens, but I'm confident it will happen. Yeah. Sometimes people are going to be reading a verse in the readable Bible and say, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. 
and you need another translation around it. And one other translation just clicks. Right. Gosh, uh, this is great. Can you tell us anything beyond where we can get the books? We know we can get them on Amazon and Christian Books. Buy it anywhere. Any, anybody that sells books has access to buy the readable Bible because it's carried by Ingram, which is the wholesaler nationally that every single bookstore has. If you Google the readable Bible, it'll jump right up at Amazon, Christian Book, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, you know, anywhere people buy books. I encourage people to go to your local bookstore. It may cost you a few dollars more than it costs online. But I encourage people to go to your local Christian bookstore. Those people have a ministry. They have books there for you. You can walk around and see other things to your benefit. But if you don't have a local Christian bookstore or you just don't want to do that, buy it a Christian book, buy it from a Christian company, or maybe buy it from your local Christian bookstore's website. You can get it anywhere. And Rod, is there any website or anything that people can go to to investigate a little more or Yes, they can go to readablebible.com. Okay, readablebible.com. Yeah. Now, Bruce, I've got something else I think I'm assuming most of your listeners, if not all of them, are believers. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. They can go to gospelchallenge.org. That's gospelchallenge, gospelchallenge.org. And at that website, they can buy the Readable Bible Book of John, with a beautiful cover on it for just a dollar and a half, two and a half dollars. We sell them and you could buy five copies, 10, 50 or 100 and lower price per copy each level. And it is a Gospel of John designed for your lost friends, for your coworkers, for your neighbors. And it has this beautiful cover. And on the cover, it says the Gospel of John and then it says gift edition. So you can walk up to your neighbor or you're somebody at work, let's take the week before Easter, two weeks before Easter, yeah. and say, hey, Bruce, Easter's coming. I purchased this gift edition of the Gospel of John for you. It has the whole story about Easter. And so you get to give somebody the gospel without giving them something religious and threatening, or you know, it's not like handing somebody Billy Graham's Peace with God track. You're mm-hmm. giving them a really nice book. It's about 60 pages, has a beautiful cover on it. And the cover is designed and the inside is designed for the lost person. The back of the cover has questions like, have you ever wondered if your life really has a purpose? Mm -hmm. And so it is a series of those questions. Inside, there's an invitation to read that says, this gospel of John was given to you by somebody who has found it's made a difference in their life. John was a 20-year-old fisherman who met Jesus and followed him and gave his life for him. Maybe you'll find following Jesus is something for you to do. And then at the end of the book, there's a page inviting people to make a decision. It's called an invitation to respond. And they sign their name after the gospel presentation. So um, that's gospelchallenge.org. We've only got a few copies left. We're about to print up several thousand more. Okay. Uh, a church just ordered a thousand copies to give away. One man bought a hundred, and he gives them to um, 
the waitress or waiter whenever he eats out and one of them called him up. You can write your name in the front and put your phone number. I encourage people to do that. When you give it to somebody, say, hey, if you have questions, call me. He gave it to a, somebody in a restaurant in South Carolina. The man called him up and said, I couldn't believe you did that for me. I read that and I put my trust in Christ and I'm going to church. <laughs> Most exciting thing. I would encourage your readers to go look at gospelchallenge.org. There's a one-minute video showing you how to give it away easily. Yeah, I'm on the site right now, and it looks great. That's good. Thank you for adding that on. Is there, before we go, is there anything else like that we need to know about, Rod? Uh, nothing off the top of my head. We're going to do a gospel, Luke, like that. That gospel has no verse numbers in it, so it reads like an ordinary book for the person yeah. that doesn't read the Bible. Oh, that's great. That is great. Well, thank you so much for taking this time, and thank you for your passion in doing this. I think this is just such a wonderful blessing to the Christian community and also for those that don't know Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm hoping that's what it'll be. I, when it was first published, I took the first copy and I put it on the bed in front of me and I said, Lord, this is your book. Do with it what you want to do. I'm sure you made it for a blessing for people and we just want to watch you. i tell you a great story about John Herring, who owns Iron Stream Media, who published it. Yeah. When I first met John, I showed him what I was doing. He said, I would be honored to publish that, but I can't afford to do it. And I said to John, John, nobody would have ever chosen me for this project. Yeah. I believe in the statement that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Yeah. If God's qualifying, calling you to do this, my wife and I would rather have a publisher that couldn't afford to publish it so that if it gets out to people, we'll know it's God who did it. That's great. So um, in 2008, I was 65 years old, and um, I went to my wife and I said, sweetheart, I should get a job. I've just lost 90% of what we had. We had some business failures. Yeah. And I said, but God has given me this thought for a new Bible. I think I can do it in five years. It'll take the rest of our lifetime savings. And in five years, we'll have a Bible, but we won't have any money. So what would you like me to do? And she said, if it's never published and nobody ever sees it, and you can be happy because you know the scripture better and have a better walk with the Lord, let's do it. So that's how we started. It took 14 years. It did use our money up. Some people donated, helped in various ways, and God enabled us to pay every bill for 14 years to do this. Mm. So um, now I'm watching my publisher go out in faith and publish it. So I would ask people to pray for yeah. John Herring and Iron Stream Media and pray for me as we try and bring the readable Bible in front of people. And that's why I call this In Awe by Bruce, because it's faith like that and what God motivates people to do and why that puts me in awe of someone like you. So thank you very much for being that humble and trusting God and being an example you know, for the rest of us. Thank, thank you. you, Bruce. It's oh, been a yeah. pleasure to be with you. Yeah, you too. Okay. Well, Rod, God bless. And I'm just too, I'm really excited about this. So we'll see how this goes and maybe we can talk in the future, your next one that comes out. Thank you. I look forward to it. All right. We'll see you, Rod. Right. Goodbye.